Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. episode 338 of The Sausage Factory. Welcome. In this episode, I chat to Luca Cafasso of 3D Clouds about their open-world action-adventure game, King of Seas. This, this is a triumph of a game. Came out a couple of months ago now, maybe a month ago. Time starts to fly. But really entertaining little action-adventure which you control a little ship which is has a fixed camera to it, but that's not a bad thing. And the it just travels across the sea, blowing up other ships and and strange sea monsters and going on adventures with it and doing all sorts of weird and wonderful things. And it's a wonderful multi-layered action-adventure game, which I highly, highly recommend. And uh, this chat to Luca about its development was really, really entertaining and informative as well so a bit of a double whammy there but i personally have always been drawn to games like this ever since you know elite which being the grandfather of sandbox games and there's certainly some similarities between elite and king of seas which luca admits to but um for me i think the the charm of it the how it's presented i actually did stream uh, it for a while, a couple of weeks back, if you look back in the archives uh, on Kane and Vince's uh, YouTube channel, you can see the archives of Kane and Vince streams, which we do stream every Saturday evening and Sunday evening. Uh, Saturday is the regular game, which at the moment we're going through Steel Battalion, uh, but in the Sunday evenings we do random titles for, you know, showcasing them really and this has definitely deserved the showcase so without further ado let's listen to me from the past talk about king of seas chris take it away Luca. hello who are you and what do you do i'm uh luca capasso and uh i'm a game designer actually the lead game designer of uh 3d clouds an italian development studio and um we are uh, coming out from uh, an awesome experience uh, launching King of Seas on the 25th of this May from every platform. And yeah. it was a long journey. All of the things. It was a long journey to get here. Yes, I can imagine because King of Seas is a big old game with lots of things that could go horribly wrong that could spiral yes. out of control without your consent. Like, no, that's not what you want you to do. What do you go? No, this is no, and that's 
that's the nature of making open world sandbox games. There's there's a big appeal, but there's also some yeah. negativity, and you just got to rein it in sometimes, as David Braben found out to his cost. So <laughs> not to a negative cost, but ultimately to his cost. Um, so how did you make your start making video games, Luca? So I was uh, I wasn't a really good student in high school in Italy, and uh, I'm from Torino, and uh, at the time uh, there wasn't a lot uh, of development in Italy. There were more gamers, and uh, but I I saw in my passion of video games uh, a future like uh, a place where I had something to say. So um, I decided to. Look at my myth that at the time was uh, Shigeru Miyamoto and uh, become a designer. And uh, I study industrial design from uh, the Polytechnic University of Torino. And that gave me the design tool, uh, industrial design tool to approach um, a project. So what are the requirements, the goals and the resources you need to develop? And then I had the luck to move uh, in Canada. So I went uh, in Vancouver, British Columbia, uh, where I knew there was a lot of the industry and uh, development uh, environment where I could learn. And there I studied one year at at the Vancouver Film School, uh, where I absorb everything uh, I could from these uh, professionals that were giving lessons about game development. And that was my my start. So I had to come out with this journey. And today I'm really proud to have chosen to pass through university because when once I get to the tools and to the actual game development, uh, I had a background that was really helpful to uh, avoid uh, some common issues about game development, like uh, overscoping or uh, losing the focus of what you're doing. And uh, from there, then I um, I came back to Italy. Uh, that was my initial call. Like uh, um, at the time, I was like, uh, so many video games are coming out, and they have a lot of inspiration from Italy, but there is nothing really coming out. Uh, uh, from Italy, from Italian itself. So I come back and um, I got the luck to be hired in uh, Milestone SRL, that is this um, video game company based in Milano, is the oldest one. And uh, it's a big company and they develop MotoGP games, Moto Campri games, uh, uh, and also for uh, Supercross video games. They are specialized in bikes, in motorbikes. And uh, there I uh, enter in this huge environment uh, of development. There are 200 developers and they uh, get to produce four games each year. There's a lot of uh, uh, products for a company like that. And um, after four years uh, learning over there, I decided to move in, uh, back in the, in the independent environment. So I went to Digital Days. There's another small Italian studio in Milano where they were uh, working on Unity uh, to make a Metroidvania game that was called uh, Bookbound Brigade. And after I helped them out, I've been uh, called by my actual studios that they were looking for a lead game designer. And uh, it's where I start the journey uh, that I'm going to talk about today. Wow. So the development of King of Seas. It's interesting the uh, motorcycle stuff because whenever I think of that and no, dis- no disrespect for your former employer but I always think oh yeah there's that weird Gran Turismo game that's based on motorcycles because tourist trophy that no one talks about <laughs> and that, that yeah. game was really tough it was not impossible because they they modelled they did the same sensibility of Gran Turismo onto motorcycles yes. and it didn't work <laughs> because <laughs> the physics was beautiful wonderful for a playstation 2 game but it was like yes. the approach mm. just what didn't wasn't compatible you know and i remember having to do the test in order to drive the the ride the ride the motorcycle and it's just not an impossible <laughs> it's just... yes today the target audience uh, of milestone is uh looking uh 
at the game as a important, uh, I would say, milestone of the uh, video games about bikes. But yeah. uh, uh, today, luckily, the company has been able to match and uh, surpass the the fame of that game. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, no one remembers Wish. for his trophy, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Actually, uh, at the time, uh, everybody, every developer that comes uh, to Milestone, that is the owner of the motorbikes uh, knowledge in the world, about uh, combined with video games, uh, has to know Tourist Trophy. They do? Wow. Yes. yes. I had no idea. It's like the uh, chrono trigger of RPGs then. <laughs> It's like, yeah, you, you gotta, you gotta, have you, played, you know, there was a time, I'm not sure if it's still true, but some developers won't hire you unless you've finished and played and finished Chrono Trigger. I'm like, okay. Mm. I mean, it's a great game. Yeah, it, it is. It is a magnificent game, but it's like, yes. wow, that's, that's quite a tall order, especially it was never, re- never released in Europe. Well, it was eventually, but we all had to import it. I import it. I've got my import copy there. I'm looking at it right now. But, uh, yeah, not not sure how many company apply these policies, but uh, <laughs> yes, if you are if you are passionate about uh, motorbikes, uh, yeah. you want to be a game developer. That's yeah. a company that would fit. Uh, it's a plus when yeah, yeah, you absolutely. went through the hiring process. Yeah. So, but, uh, they're, 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 it's, it's, I, I like the game. Don't get me wrong. I per, I persevered, but dear heaven. So, um, this next question's hard to answer. Luca, I'm not going to lie to you. It's a bit difficult because it's it's just open-ended. It's difficult to define, <laughs> but it's important that I ask it because then we get an idea of where you're coming from. So the, the, you can answer it as either personally or as 3D clouds because the question is this. What are your biggest influences? Okay, my so personally, I've been playing... A lot of games, a lot. But uh, my favorite, I'm really passionate about uh, the Nintendo approach. So, and I think you can see it also from uh, King of Seas. Uh, so, as a designer, I love high quality. And um, and when I always bought a Nintendo product, uh, I see a lot of pure and ever details and uh, kind of waterproof experiences. As um, as 3D clouds, uh, but yeah, I can also play, <laughs> talk about. Uh, I'm a PC gamer, so I play a lot of Blizzard with my friends, uh, and uh, I got a huge library of Steam because, as a designer, every time I see someone that is coming out with a new concept uh, or uh, something uh, that has to say, uh, I have to buy it and try it. Uh, so usually I look more for uh, independent products than uh, AAA blockbuster because uh, as a developer, uh, I don't see in my near future the chance to develop, uh, let's say, a Red Dead Redemption. Um, so even if I know that I could uh, enjoy a lot of product uh, like that, uh, I have to pass it over some other games because uh, nowadays it takes too much time, really, everything. But um, as a company, 3D Clouds uh, has been born, uh, like many companies uh, in Italy, as a, a child, I can say, of uh, Milestone. Because, uh, as I mentioned before, um, the only real uh, company that has, has a 20 or more years of experience in the, in the field uh, is that one. So many developers at a certain point decided to uh, go on their own or uh, change genre, because uh, uh, as motorbikes games uh, have a really passionate fan base, but uh, video game developers usually looks more for a fantasy theme or uh, kind of stuff like that. So 3D Clouds started uh, from an idea of Francisco Bruschi, our CEO, that was, uh, he actually worked on Milestone 2, and uh, they developed... Uh, a card game that was uh, called All Star Fruit Racing. It's still uh, out in the market. And uh, thanks to technology, uh, the company went uh, cartoon, and, uh, and then they tried uh, with uh, uh, Xeno Racer. There's a really high speed uh, arcade racer inspired to 
uh, all the 90s arcade racers. And uh, then when I got uh, hired in the company, I was given a specific goal, like uh, was the interest of the studio to enlarge the, the let's call it the portfolio, but uh, to try to get uh, a step in uh, other genre of the industry. And uh, it's really tricky when you start from a country like uh, Italy to, sh to change genre. So uh, you've got a strong expertise in racing games. You know somehow the pipeline and how to develop a game from scratch. But uh, once you want to go, let's say, in fantasy teams, you have to face some challenges like uh, character animations and um, user experience of reconvoluted menus like uh, uh, with RPG elements. All those fields that uh, are going to be huge risk for uh, an independent small uh, team. And um, as a studio, we tried uh, first with uh, Kakambol, that was this dollar. When I came in the company, they were working out, uh, they were coming out of pre-production, so they start to develop the idea, and uh, we close it in a really short amount of time. And uh, we, uh, we launched on Steam this uh, model of free-to-play of... Uh, uh, let's say Super Smash Bros meets uh, Cars, and um, and that was our first attempt to okay, we know how to do vehicles and to produce them, to animate them. We got this technology that's right to make them fight instead of racing. And then after that, uh, we looked at the market, and uh, I knew there was a lot of people like me, and uh, like you said before. Uh, the interview, uh, like yourself, uh, that uh, played uh, Sid Meier Pirates, and yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, boy. they play Sea of Thieves. Yep. And uh, oh, there were a lot of pirates out there, but there wasn't really on the market uh, a single player experience uh, that uh, was satisfying our needs. So looking at uh, our team and our resources, we say, okay, the, the ship is still a vehicle. And uh, we could do a great pirate adventure game, single player, yep. uh, to chill out, explore, and uh, have uh, never-ending adventures. And that's how the idea of King of Seas uh, as born. Yeah, I mean... I'm desperately trying to think of any similars. I'm struggling with this particular what you've created here. I think the anchor is, um, pun intended, <laughs> the single-player yeah. experience where you're bobbing up and down the sea, this beautiful blue, constantly typically blue, vibrant yeah. sea. Not always, but I don't want to spoil anything. But, it, 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 you know, and it's just a beautiful world. And I just love the fact that there's definitely been translatable skills, but I don't think... Uh, on a large sort of boat bobbing up and down the sea is that translatable but there is some aspects and it kind of answers some of my questions I've got in the second half of the show about where some of the stuff and why you've gone in a certain way with with the, the, with the with the physics of the of the ship but we'll we'll talk about that later but so you're really your influence then your driver is to just do something new but without actually pushing the boundary too hard to the point where it starts to collapse in on itself, which you probably experienced during your life as a developer. You rapidly see something, an idea, a concept that's put forward, and then within maybe days or weeks, it suddenly folds in on itself because it's not. it has no substance to it. There's no foundation to it. So yeah. you, you take well-known concepts and foundations and then just build on them just a little bit and it's you could argue that's the blizzard way of doing things and that's what they did with world warcraft because they took everquest and went that's fine but there's all these problems with it let's let's fix all those but the basic premise of you starting from level one and working up to level 60 and giving that endorphin sort of feedback to you constantly but not too const too much is the magic of wow i mean i'm just yeah. really oversimplified that i know that i know that there's way more to it than that but 
that's really the trick. So that's what you've done with with this. Like Sea of Thieves, yes, you're going to get that comparison, but I don't get the same experience. Sea of Thieves is a very anxiety-riven experience in a good way, but it really is like, oh, oh God, there's someone on the horizon. They're going to shoot. Oh, see, no, I've got this. Yeah. No. And it's just, you know, and it's just, it's just like, it's just, you know, interaction with others. You've taken that aspect away and replaced it with interaction with very, very smart and wonderfully animated and personal AI. It's wonderful. So. And yeah, that was kind of the, the process, uh, like, uh, yeah, I would say it came more from my industrial design background. Yes. Uh, I guess these are very um, professional, and so uh, they have uh, uh, some developers that uh, has this approach too. Of course, uh, I I came way later than them, so I got inspired by Blizzard too. Yeah, yeah. And they they inspire a lot of people. Now I'm not saying that that's the current Blizzard, and that's a discussion for another time outside the scope of this podcast. Um, but it's certainly what they have been known to do. I mean, look at Hearthstone, you know, a CCG yeah. on video, a video game is like this is this, you know, you'd see the, if you'd see that pitch that to anyone just before Hearthstone is released, they'll go, get out, no one wants this. And look yeah. what happened to it. It became this, this extraordinary phenomenon, which still exists to this day. Nowhere near as, as, as high up as it was at one point, but it's still, people still play it and enjoy it, and rightly so. Yeah. That uh, that is the final goal uh, that we developers hope that the people uh, have fun with the game. So yes, yes. So next question, which is related to what we've just been chatting about, um, and again, uh, this is very much a personal thing, and it can be a person or a a company. But the question is this: What developer do you most admire in the industry, and why? What developers most admire in the history, uh, in the industry, and why? Mm. Um, I'm not sure how to answer uh, this question. Personally, I recently saw um, a video that was showing the YouTubers' reaction to the trailer of uh, Zed the Breath of the Wild in 2017. And uh, I saw all these uh, people getting so excited for what they were seeing, and the trailer was a masterpiece of presentation. So I went through uh, developing many trailers because uh, in my background, I worked with uh, gameplay cameras and uh, replay cameras and milestones, and even in King of Seas, the trailers that you see, most of them have been uh, handmade uh, by myself, uh, thanks to my skill set. And... Um, I I found a great admiration when you can pitch an idea like that and get so many people excited uh, uh, about what have you uh, been making. And uh, it's really rare to uh, be able to get that approval nowadays. And um, I personally put a lot of admiration uh, and on these people, so I watched their talk and I was like, uh, guys, I'm really happy for you. Uh, because uh, in the game development process, uh, often you uh, work offer ideas of somebody else, and I noticed that often is not uh, um, the most difficult part of a dev team is to get everybody on board that idea, uh, pushing aside uh, our own ideas. And once you uh, get to that point, I think the game is going to gain a lot of um, positive influence on it. And when I see a game that uh, comes out uh, with a really strong concept, even if we go like, um, I can mention other titles uh, recently, I saw Valheim, that was a huge success made from a really small team and uh, I admire those people because uh, it's not easy to come out with something like that. No, you're right, yeah. And uh, even if I have to analyze a title like Valheim, uh, I could say is uh, Minecraft meets uh, um, uh, meets the Bethesda game Skyrim. 
And uh, as a designer, I would say it's too risky. We need some technologies that uh, in a small team like that we we could fail, but they make it and uh, come on. If you think about Minecraft meets Skyrim, it's really fun. And that's what, what it is. Hmm. Well, hats off to them. Awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, Skyrim. There's a game that I have a history with. It's not a great one. I'm not, in, I'm not, I'm not, not proud. Cause I mainlined <laughs> it. I mainlined it, Luca. I actually, for me, my Skyrim experience lasted 30 hours, which is unheard of. No one does that, but that's me. I went, I just, I, I just saw the little icon saying, is that the main quest? Yeah, I'll just follow that then. No matter what was going on around me, like there's a cavern yeah. or something else, just ignored it. So, is there anything to do with the main quest? I'm not interested. And I just barreled through. <laughs> and uh, it was bad. Because ever since then, then, what happened at the end was I finished the main quest. I saved the world. Actually saved the world. I went back yeah. to the main village and they said, oh, till I'm, check me out. I'm, I'm the best of the best. But, you know, and they said, yeah. well, we've got a quest for you. Really? Oh, great. What's it? There's some bandits up the road. Could you kill someone? I just, yeah. I just saved the, I just, I just saved, saved the entire world. <laughs> and you want me to kill some? No. And I just shut it off. And I haven't played it since. And it's been, since the game's release, it's like 13 years. I haven't touched it since. It's like, nope. Go away. I'm done. It is. It's, it's such a shame. tricky to, uh, when you develop a game, uh, huge like that, uh, yeah. to guide yeah. the, the user experience. It it's is. really, really tricky. So it's up to the players to know yep. uh, where, when to get to the end. Yeah. Uh, for myself, I'm a really big fan of the, the, the Zelda titles, as you could guess from my mm. uh, sentences before. But um, the last title, I wait until uh, completing all the secondary objectives, uh, <laughs> except with the exception of the Coraco Seeds, yeah. because <laughs> I have them to play something else. I do uh, that now. I, I do that now. Yeah. It's just, I do that now, but with some reason, Skyrim, I just went, no, I'm just going to barrel through. I don't know why. To this day, I don't know why I did it. It's a stupid thing to do. So I didn't do it with Fallout 3. Didn't do it with that. I did all sorts of weird and wonderful things with Fallout 3. You know, didn't yeah, do it with the... Horizon Zero Dawn. I, I got all the, I got the magical armor with that. To the point nice. where it becomes so OP that nothing can kill you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it depends also in the mood you are. At the end, I think uh, a product like Skyrim that was, uh, I think, a very really important milestone of the game industry uh, because uh, kind of showed the best evolution from uh, the freedom that they gave us with Morrowind at the time. Yeah, that was mind blowing compared it was. to the other titles that would be comparable, like uh, GTA Three. Yeah, and um, then they move more mainstream in Oblivion, but they kind of uh, lost, lost the other fan base that was looking more uh, for an alternative fantasy world. And then with Skyrim, they kind of bring this uh, Oblivion trend further and they develop a really cool experience. Even if you played only 30 hours, they let you kill dragons and be the... Uh, like a, a, a northern uh, uh, god. Yeah, you did. Uh, I'm is, not taking away the experience. It's wonderful. What I'm annoyed about is I missed all of that content. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes if you think from a business aspect uh, uh, of development, is really that necessary, all that content? Of course it is. Uh, because there are a lot of uh, fans of the franchise that are looking just for that more than main story. Yeah, but, there uh, are some people who just play that game to collect all of the books. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's all they do. They just they don't actually. They just go. Well, I'll find all the books. What? Just all of them. Someone wrote all that yeah. stuff. I want to read it all. It's not fair. That poor person or people just wrote all that yeah. stuff and no one read it. It's not fair. So they go out and just, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, even when you write uh, the main storyline, uh, there's people that is going to skip all the cutscenes. So from this side of the barricade, I could say in Italian, yeah. uh, um, 
make you really sad because you spend yes. a lot of time oh, no. to make those content uh, and the people just want to collect loot. Yeah, just want to collect yeah. gold. Yeah, it's a bit sad. <laughs> so, last question of the first half. Here we go. It is. This is a video game podcast, therefore I am almost legally obliged to ask this question. So it is this. What are you playing right now? Okay, right now what I've been playing. I've been playing a lot of Alan and uh, uh, with friends and even alone, grinding and building fortress because uh, in my free time I'm really passionate about level design and so Yeah. Um, in that kind of environment I could build a lot of fortress, but then I've been playing uh, uh, some PC managerial like uh, Eddie Genius 2. That was okay. this old... Uh, game that I played a long time ago and I appreciate it and the new version is really fun and clean mm-hmm. and um, and with some friends uh, I've been playing uh, World of Warcraft lately because yeah. uh, I, I think it was the fault of the pandemic because uh, yeah. <laughs> usually yeah. I was uh, I stopped playing World of Warcraft uh, after uh, Vanilla I went to Burning Crusade at the time. I was like, okay, there's too much time in this, and uh, uh, I have to start all over. That's fine. Let's move on. Yeah. And uh, thanks to the pandemic, I think a lot of titles like that get uh, the chance to bring people back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They've done a great job. They've really done a great job. And, I mean, I haven't tried Classic out because I want to leave that in the memory. Because I yeah. have fond memories of that, and for me to go back to that, I'll probably go. This is awful. <laughs> it's like, how did I find this entertaining? But it was 2004. We didn't know any better, whereas we do now. So, but I'm, yeah. I, mean, I respect that people want to play that old version. That's cool. But I prefer the newer version with all the creature comforts that come with it. So. Uh, yeah. yeah, I didn't expect uh, to go back, and we actually went back to classic and uh, and with this nostalgic operation was uh, really fun. Yeah, it was yeah. different, but it was yeah. still uh, a lot of fun. Then when the content started to end, yeah. uh, we say, let's try the new version. And, uh, yeah. Now we are stuck over there. <laughs> but it's fun. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I mean, speaking personally, I've been playing a lot of tabletop RPGs, you know, Dungeons & Dragons and... Uh, and other independent ones like um, Spire, that's one I'm playing on at the moment. Okay. But um, yeah, they're a different experience entirely. Um, but uh, yeah, no, good shout on all that front. It, 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 this answers a lot of the questions earlier about your inspirations and where you, how you, how King of Seas came to be. But uh, before we sort of go into too much detail, let's just do that now. Let's just delve into it. So let's uh, hurtle into part two where we dive deep. <laughs> so I did there? Never mind. Uh, into uh, King of Seas. So, Luca, before we can talk in detail about King of Seas, I want to hear, in your own words, and I wish you the very best of luck with this because I struggle, 
What is King of Seas? So, King of Seas uh, came out as the idea to create uh, a pirate adventure generation for single player. And um, uh, so it's, um, what I could say, it's, um, to simplify it, it's Diablo meets uh, Street Mayor Pirate. So, uh, at the end, that's what we had in our hands. When we started, uh, uh, we knew our goals. That was to create uh, um, an uh, affordable production for our team and to create Pirate Adventure uh, with their PG elements and uh, with their story and um, exclusively single player. And the main goal also, we uh, analyze um, the Nintendo Switch. So we thought uh, there must be a lot of pirates that uh, possess a Nintendo Switch, but there is no pirate game, a uh, great pirate game, except for all titles that have been ported. And that's kind of the genetic code of it. And then it evolved uh, while we were doing pre-production prototyping the, the game. Now, I've only played the PC version, but I can see this really popping out the screen of the Switch. Um, I really can see a lot of, I can see someone leaning over my shoulder going, what is that? There's a little boat pedaling across the ocean, shooting little cannons at each other. Uh, although you can yes. zoom in to a point because that's important. But I found that the, the further camera out is the better for you. Otherwise you're going to die <laughs> yeah. very quickly. Yeah, um, we put uh, three camera zoom uh, because, um, to let you show the ship, to look at your ship, because you Indeed. can customize it. You get, you get stuff, and you customize it, and you bolt the stuff onto it, and it starts glowing. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, of course, uh, in a strategic, there's a great uh, strategic component in uh, King of Seas for the gameplay template that we decided to follow, and uh, first is the camera easier is to uh, pretend some uh, hazards that are coming from the horizon. Yeah, exactly. So you can admire your ship all you like, but best do it in calm waters where no one's around, which are not yes. impossible to find. Um, but that's great. So as I was pootling around, and I'll tell you to describe it, it's sailing around, but it is definitely got a vibe of, can we just chill for a second? Just, to, you know... Just pootle around. I mean, it's not it's not Wind Waker levels of pootling around because that have got over the top. But yes. um, but it's definitely a sense of calm between each session of all quick. I've got to start shooting things or or avoiding things. I love running away from stuff. The sense of uh, sense of achievement, like oh, you think you know, I'm just going to run, just just going to run because um, I can't take on two warships. That's ridiculous. Um, yes. So. One of the things I found is how have you found balancing the sailing physics that is in King of Seas? There is definitely sailing physics going on. You have to you, you control the speed by how many sails you have open. It's a beautiful system, and it really works well with the controller. I play it with the controller. I always have a an Xbox One controller plugged into my PC because most of the games I play on the PC. 90% of them use a controller. I need 10% of mouse and keyboard, like Civ and stuff like that, but or Stellaris. But anyway, point is, it works so well with the controller. But this whole idea of the, you know, the sea physics and sailing physics is actually quite complicated. I'm sure you know this already, but you've had yes. to alter it in such a way that it is, and it is approachable. In some cases, you actually break it a bit. Like you, you can you can be at zero speed, but yet still turn around, which in normally you can't do that. So because that's the point of boats, they always are going forward or stopped. Um, you know, and if, if they stop, they can't move. You know, there's any way. So how have you found balancing sailing physics versus making it approachable to the player? So I. I think there's a big contribution for myself because uh, I always had uh, I, I, my career uh, started from simulation games, motorbike simulation games. So uh, and uh, over there I worked with uh, an audience that uh, we had some people that was really picky on the details of the bike and the behavior. 
of a motorbike. And um, at the same time, I saw that was that was a huge constraint to the actual fun aspect of the game sometimes. And uh, at, in that team, uh, there was a huge effort to try to make everyone happy from the fanatic of uh, uh, realistic physics to somebody that just casually wants to ride the fastest bike in the world. And so this kind of a evolution of mindset I brought it uh, to the team and we discuss it and we iterate a lot um, the basic controls of the ship and um, what we want uh, uh, to achieve is something that uh, if you are a pirate um, you feel actually you are uh, driving a real uh, boat but at the same time don't feel too constrained and uh, and frustrated by the realistic physics. And what what you can see in King of Seas is the evolution of the process. For making an example, we once, uh, in, in a certain part of the development, there was the design choice that in order to dock, you have to stop well the ship. And uh, it's something that if you have play Sea of Thieves is really important uh, to park well your ship because we give you uh, the chance to survive uh, in, in term, uh, if some other place comes uh, to get your loot. And uh, and so, inspired from that, we decided that you had to stop in order to dock, and so to learn how to dock properly. But then later in the process, we discovered that uh, it was too frustrating, and then the people was going to just crash the ship on the dock uh, in order to stop, and then dock and repair it. So we make adjustment that you can uh, dock even uh, still you can't dock at maximum speed, but you have uh, you can uh, dock if you're uh, moving, still moving. And uh, that was kind of the, the approach we uh, applied to it. So we wanted to satisfy the expert sailors, and uh, so we brought the wind mechanic and. Um, yeah, tacking and stuff like that, it's really good. And yeah, and, yeah. and at the same time, another f- aspect that you can find uh, in King of Seas is that we are not constrained to... We decided to not be constrained to a realistic uh, world, so it's not uh, set in the Caribbeans, like you can think uh, of... No, because th- there is lots of reasons for doing that. And first of all, there's some sensibilities that you might tread on that might be difficult to, because I mean, is it a pirate or are they a privateer? And it gets, it just, you know, that's a whole political discussion that, that you know, it's difficult. It becomes uncomfortable, right? Yes, and, but more than that, uh, we we were um, a really small team, so we didn't, we could not afford uh, no. certain constraints. More uh, no, no. technically or historically, like. As a creative person, I would like to invest uh, the time and the resources of my team to reproduce all the nations that were involved, uh, or I would prefer just to add uh, something that uh, I think it's fun for the game. Yeah, yeah. No, so it's, it's a wise decision. Is uh, that's something that redefine uh, King of Seas? Is like uh, we had the freedom choosing that setting. We had the freedom even to make the ship. Uh, uh, drift a little bit while turning because uh, it doesn't have to be realistic but it has to be fun and yeah. uh, I mean the, the, the turning speed is brilliantly done I mean the, the amount of times I've found myself you know I call it the elite model of turning if you're going to try to dodge out of the way you're going to have to slow down and it's just yes. it's a great way of doing it and although the docking infamously elite is horrific with docking but that was the rite of passage you had to dock <laughs> into the space station with absolute precision otherwise you would explode and there was no means to save so all that jelly you just done this is wasted because you're just dead um and that was just part of the experience and it wouldn't have fit that whole concept of you you know like spending 10 minutes or something gently ed- edging the boat up to the jetty it doesn't make any sense it wouldn't have made any sense so you're, you're right to do that you're right to do that but you, you know that's a game in of itself which probably no one would want so 
No, I just wanted to highlight the fact that, yes, there are sailing ships and there is some physics going on with wind and power and stuff like that and tacking and, and turning circles. It's wonderfully done, but you've, you've, you've put it in such a way that it's actually immediately approachable and understandable. I mean, you can understand, like, oh, yeah, this tip's gonna, the ships can't turn that quickly. You know, it's going it's gonna, to, you're going to hit that thing if you don't turn course now. And that's the thing about the momentum of ships is quite extraordinary. You've, you've captured it quite well. So well done. Awesome. Thank you very much. Distractions. Now, distractions in King of Seas are many. You've yes. been pottling along and you see something actually sparkling, everyone. You know that whole saying, oh, I saw something shiny, I found, I got distracted. This actually happens in King of Seas a lot. Yeah. How have you found designing these distractions whilst constraining it within the concept of the game itself? In other words, what I'm saying is, yes, you know, you can rescue people, you can find floating treasure chests or indeed exploding red barrels which I have collided with once, only once. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I actually thought, oh, what's that? I thought it was a bit of treasure, then I could totally explode it and didn't die, but took a lot of damage. <laughs> and I thought, that's great. I've got red barrels floating in the sea because that's video game language. You see a red barrel, you shoot it. Thanks, Doom. Anyway. <laughs> yes. So, so anyway, point is, how have you found preventing the dreaded feature creep. What have you done? What kind of measures have you put in place to stop side quests becoming main quests? It was was kind of a natural process. Uh, so our goal was to create this uh, inner uh, adventure uh, with a story in a sandbox environment. So we took inspiration from uh, everything that uh, had the world pirates in it. So thanks also from our background and knowledge about games of the team. And uh, we were always been really open to feedback uh, um, between each other. Even if uh, we follow a straight production, so I, I guided the team to have a huge uh, game design document that uh, define all the ingredients that we needed to put in the game in order to satisfy uh, our uh, fellow pirates. And um, and then we cut those instead of adding. Because when you go through game development, often there are unexpected situations where uh, you have to add, but uh, you don't have the time to think what. And um, it's going to cost a lot. Uh, so... We kind of went backward. We tried to think the best adventure we could uh, make, like the best uh, feature set we could uh, add to the game, and then we maintain only what what was necessary. And even doing so, we then found out during the development, as soon as we had uh, the open world uh, generation, that there were some uh, issues in our gameplay. And one was that the sea was empty. And uh, we didn't plan to have all this kind of distraction at the beginning. We planned to have uh, a living world with these uh, trading companies uh, and uh, uh, that ex- exchange between parts. Yep. And, uh, and uh, of course, we plan to have a treasure map that you can find in, in the game. We plan to have uh, fishing, but uh, we didn't expect uh, to have uh, some death zone. And because the world is generally uh, is uh, considerably generated, uh, um, on paper we weren't been able to see that. Uh, of course, there were going to be dead zones. Now let's see. So we figure out uh, some uh, bonus and hazard that, that you can discover uh, while traveling to try to fill these places, and then we created. Uh, uh, some uh, ships that will uh, just spawn uh, not according to the trade routes in order to um, fill those uh, dead zone of the gameplay. And uh, that was a lot of... Uh, uh, wasn't a lot of thoughts because 
the core gameplay was solid, but uh, uh, yeah, it's something that came out uh, just playing the game. Excellent. So you found that there were moments where there was nothing moving on the screen. This is something that uh, I know there was something. It's a metaphorical sense. It's like a there was nothing happening other than the ship moving across the sea. It was just like for too long a period. Just eventually you find something of interest, but there was this gap of just void. And um, yes. so you want to say, well, yeah. there's a there's a sign. You can go for that if you like. Don't have to. Yeah. And that's we what also... I love about it. Go on. Uh, we also discussed where at the point that uh, was kind of a strength of our world. Like uh, then we had to close the first development phase of the game, so uh, to get released. But uh, that we created a world that could be filled by surprises while you sailing. So hopefully yeah. we will be able to add more. Absolutely. Well, yes. There's there's definitely there's definitely options for that. Combat. I love the combat in this game. Really do. It's just so satisfying when you let off a volley and you actually hit. Because the way you're thinking, well, hang on, Chris, what do you mean you actually hit? Well, there's no aiming reticule. Okay, you don't get yes. a nice little little red arc showing where your shit, where your shots are going to hit, where you see, you know, in in you know, in Black Flag and another another. Um, little pirate related um, games they tell you exactly where your shots more or less are going to hit not so in King of Seas you, you know I actually found myself using the red barrels for target practice to, yes. to measure to see when I should let go uh, because you don't you don't know really um, and some of the special abilities are amazing but there's, there's features everyone there's layer upon layer of features I mean the best way yeah. to describe King of Seas is it definitely is an onion Oh boy, uh, and uh, there's a whole like RPG elements where you get like added abilities and stuff like this. But and describing it as Diablo on the seas is pretty accurate. Although I can confirm we've yet to encounter the butcher. Help! Yeah. I hope not. I hope because he still scares me. Even 20 years later, it's not 30. Oh God, you know it still scares the bejesus out of me. Uh, but then the point is, point is, um, why? Why did you not have any aiming guidance to on your on weapons? Uh, I think I know why, but you tell me. Why is King of Seas, you know, leave it to the player to judge whether they're going to hit something or not? So you're talking to the right person. I, I personally thought that adding reticle uh, would have ruined um, not only the look and feel of the game. So we wanted to make a game that looks pleasant and you like to spend your time sailing around. So if you add too many other elements, uh, it kind of lose that uh, that fashion. And that was uh, a reason why. The other reason is that uh, we found out uh, through the prototype that uh, it will require a bit of uh, practice to get used. But uh, then you will get more satisfaction once you know how to handle that ship. And uh, we got five different kind of ship in the game. You start with a sloop that actually was uh, um, the real ship that uh, Captain Blackbird used uh, in the Caribbean Sea. So uh, one of the most famous pirates even had uh, a galleon. Uh, he used the sloop to... Uh, hound down uh, many uh, merchant ships from the uh, Spain, and um, and then each ship has its own number of cannons and uh, driving feeling. So we try to focus. Uh, you got the um, we kind of inspired to classes from uh, RPG games like Blizzard. So the Zupla is supposed to be a, an assassin in his genetic code. Then we got the brig that is more kind of like a, a mounter, so it's uh, really fast. You can shoot from further, and uh, you can find this combat uh, uh, environment where if you keep the distance, you get an advantage with the brig. Then you got the flute that is more uh, a ship that we wanted to create for trading, and then um, so is is the fastest ship. 
uh, and they asked, do you just cargo? It's not so much for combat, so you have the same amount of cannon or the zoop, but not the tactical agility that you can get uh, playing with the zoop. And then we, we got the frigate. The frigate was kind of like a, um, a, a cleric uh, uh, for Dangerous and Dragon, a shaman for uh, or a paladin for uh, Blizzard. So it's this ship that has good power, but uh, is more efficient if you specialize on uh, abilities. And then uh, finally you got the Galleon that is, uh, is tanky and a really powerful ship, but it's really slow. Uh, so you want uh, a lot of power, but you need to be able to uh, handle it. And, yeah, um, it's the barbarian, we, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. If we didn't uh, we didn't have the article because uh, we I found as a designer that uh, you get um, more passionate uh, again when you actually feel that you get strong with it. And uh, if we had in the article, we I believe uh, the game would have been uh, too easy. And yeah. uh, we, we lose this golden uh, skill that you need to develop as a player. That's cool. and, uh, That's perfect. Yeah, I, I knew that, that was the case and I felt that. I definitely got a sense of achievement when I actually managed to understand that I can make the reticule myself because I already know where, how far I can shoot until I upgrade the ship and then I've got to do all over again. <laughs> yeah, if you change the ship, you have uh, to learn again. But I yeah. think you can... Uh, you can do it better. One example that where one game that I found is uh, element really, really easy to understand for everybody is the last Z. Um, once if you bought the DLC in Breath of the Wild, you get the access to the master mode. Yeah. That is way more challenging uh, for a simple reason uh, more than uh, having more hardcore encounters spread around the world. But the reason is that the, the enemies have, uh, they refill life if you don't hit them. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the game, when, once you start over, you can kill a lot of enemies just with a wooden stick. And uh, when you start the first time, you actually struggle uh, with the wooden stick. So you enter in this master mode, uh, but you got the knowledge yeah. as a player. Yeah. And yeah. I found it really like gold game design, like that element. I say, okay, I don't have uh, experience. I don't have uh, um, this kind of uh, evolution of my character. I mm. got my knowledge about this world and this environment. I can get advantage of many elements that the design of Nintendo scattered around for me. And I can beat something that would have been uh, unbeatable for me without my knowledge. Yeah, that's yeah. that's really uh, that's a powerful thing. That's once that once you get to that and stage where you become a bulldozer. <laughs> yeah. So when I we found as a development team this uh, gameplay without reticle, uh, I protected the scene in that this kind of uh, element. Of course, not deep like uh, uh, you can find it in Zelda Breath of the Wild, but in, in the scale of the game, uh, good. Hmm. Last question then. Oh no. All good things must come to an end. But here we are. Yes. I was a thing that was good anyway. Um, there is a lot to take in when the player is in transit across the seas in King of Seas. Yes. What have you done in the design of the UI to alert the player of what's important right now? Where they what they're doing. What have you done? What parts of the design have you done to make sure that the player is appropriately informed at all times? Okay, so we that was a huge part of uh, iteration of our game, and uh, I think you can see that uh, we were going in in a field that, that we were not used to. Mm-hmm. Um, because when you do a racing game, uh, the goal is pretty clear. And what must be done uh, can be teach uh, to the player really easy. So we had some tools that was uh, the story. So you got this introduction tutorial where we slowly bring you to become uh, a pirate. But to teach the player everything was uh, the experience was getting too slow. 
and was uh, becoming boring. Come on, I want to be free and uh, explore and have my own adventures. And um, so we come out with some elements like um, what we call internal, it was uh, walkie-talkie, those pop out that comes uh, while you play King of Caesar, uh, they will pop out every time you meet a new element. And this is something that we had later in order to make the, the storyline more slim. And, and then uh, something, unfortunately, we are a team of uh, only 15 developers. And uh, uh, some things at the end we had to leave to the player to learn them. Um, because it's the first time we do a title like that. So the elements is there. And uh, there, are, there were some elements that uh, we we all lo- love to be able to bring the player through it uh, in an easier way. Yeah. But but I believe that uh, if you love the team, if you love uh, where we were aiming as a development team, um, maybe the first time, like you said, a red barrel is not properly explained. You crash. You learn. And then you can yeah. start over. Yeah. I mean, you could argue I should have known better, but I'm like, is that a red barrel? Is it something? Yeah. Is it is it a red barrel of rum that I need to pick up? Let's go with that. So I went with that, but I, I chose poorly. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> but uh, this yeah. is just a really straightforward example, but there are some aspects in the game that um, we uh, wish we were able in the time frame we had to make the game uh, to uh, polish them in order to make them clear and uh, and fun as possible. Yeah. Yeah. At the end, uh, I could say uh, um, uh, we had to make some tough decision when you have a small team like ours and uh, with no expertise in such a field like uh, uh, procedural open world uh, uh, generated direct uh, RPG. Um, I I guided the team through the production more to it. I prefer to have the feature uh, than uh, not have it and having a missing ingredient. It's like um, uh, I often make this comparison in my, between my team members. It's like cooking. Okay, if you are making a recipe, um, making a video games is like cooking. If you are making a specific re- a recipe, you need to have all the ingredients. Then, uh, if you are a really expert chef, you make you cook uh, the bacon perfectly, uh, then clean the salad. You make every ingredient perfect, and then you give this uh, uh, hamburger to uh, your customer that uh, is the best hamburger. But uh, you cannot make an hamburger without the uh, the meat. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. For us, it was more important to have the ingredient and then uh, being a small independent studio. And then maybe if the game goes well, I have the chance to polish it later on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Then not having it. Indeed. King of so. Seas. Yes. It's, the, it's developed by um, 3D Clouds. Great name for a studio, by the way. Where did it come from? Do you know? Uh, actually, not really. Like, okay. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but uh, because we are, what I can say, we are really passionate about 3D games. So ah, right, yeah. Anyway, sorry. Um, so I've got a list of platforms that uh, King of Seas is out on, and this is based on a press release. So I'm assuming it's correct. At the moment, I've got Windows PC. I know that for certain. That's on Steam. It is coming out on PlayStation 4. Does it work on the other one yet? Can you talk about that or not? Not yet, but of course we are hoping to bring it uh, to every platform as possible. Yeah. So it's coming to Xbox One. Yeah, it's come to Xbox One. Yes, and it's yes. also coming to Nintendo Switch, as we've already discussed. But yes. when I say other one, I'm thinking the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X and stuff. You've yet to confirm that, I understand. Yes. Okay, that's I, tricky. I can't that. confirm it's... right now, but uh, as a yeah. development team, you've got the chance. You're trying to do that because it's it's a weird place we're in this current generation of consoles. That yeah, we can play the games that you 
made for the previous generation. This makes no sense. But, <laughs> no, but uh, I know it's difficult. But there it is. Uh, one, I mean, if I don't ask it, a uh, listener will. So I'm just preempting. But it's certainly on Windows PC, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch. So in one of those platforms, it definitely is out on. Luca, it's been fantastic having you on the show. Thank you very much. It was uh, awesome to be here. It's been really interesting to hear about your history and the, the inspirations. And to think you went from motorcycles to uh, um, 17th century sailing ships. It's fantastic. Or is it 18th? Anyway, <laughs> um, it's yeah, I really, really wish you the very, very best of luck with King of Seas. It's a fantastic game. Um, I will certainly be, be delving further into the depths of it. Um, but um, you're more than welcome to come back. And as a return guest, we've had many, many return guests in the in the past uh, awesome. in, in the show. And you're more than welcome to come back and chat about what next job you've worked on. Uh, and we will be here. Trust me, we will be here. But until then, thank you very, very much. Thank you for having us. Well, those very interesting questions. You have been listening to the Sausage Factory podcast, part of the Cane and Rinse Collective. Support us for just two US dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash Cane and Rinse for early, extended and exclusive podcasts. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube and at our website, canaanrinse.com.